0: Chapter nineteen of Mrs. Craddock by William Somerset Mom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, recording by Tony Oliva. But the apathy with which for weeks Bertha had looked upon all terrestrial concerns was passing away before her increasing strength. It had been due only to an utter physical weakness of the same order as that merciful indifference to all earthly sympathies which gives ease to the final passage into the unknown the prospect of death would be unendurable if one did not know that the enfeebled body brought a like enfeeblement of spirit dissolving the ties of this world when the traveler must leave the hostel with a double gait the wine he loved has lost its savor and the bread turned bitter in his mouth like useless gods bertha had let fall the interests of life her soul lay a-dying her soul was a lighted candle in a lantern flickering in the wind so that its flame was hardly seen and the lantern was useless but presently the wind of death was stilled and the light shone out and filled the darkness with increasing strength the old passion returned love came back like a conqueror and bertha knew that she had not done with life in her loneliness she yearned for edward's affection for now he was all she had and she stretched out her arms to him with a great desire she blamed herself bitterly for her coldness she wept at the idea of what he must have suffered and she was ashamed that the love which she had thought eternal should have been for a while destroyed but a change had come over her she did not now love her husband with the old blind passion but with a new feeling added to it for to him was transferred the tenderness which she had lavished on her dead child and all the mother's spirit which must now to her life's end go unsatisfied her heart was like a house with empty chambers and the fires of love raged through them triumphantly bertha thought a little painfully of miss glover but dismissed her with a shrug of the shoulders the good creature had kept her resolve never again to come near court Lays, and for days nothing had been heard of her what does it matter cried bertha so long as Eddie loves me the rest of the world is nothing but her room gained now the aspect of a prison so that she felt it impossible much longer to endure its dreadful monotony her bed was a bed of torture and she fancied that so long as she remained stretched upon it health would not return she begged dr ramsay to allow her to get up but was always met with the same refusal backed up by her husband's common sense all she obtained was the dismissal of the nurse to whom she had taken a sudden and violent dislike from no reasonable cause bertha found the mere presence of the poor woman unendurable and her officious loquacity irritated her beyond measure if she must remain in bed bertha preferred absolute solitude The turn of her mind was becoming almost misanthropic the hours passed endlessly from her pillow bertha could see only the sky now a metallic blue with dazzling clouds swaying heavily across now gray darkening the room the furniture and the wallpaper forced themselves distastefully on her mind every detail was impressed on her consciousness as indelibly as the potter's mark on the clay finally she made up her mind to get up come what might it was the sunday after the quarrel with miss glover edward would be indoors and doubtless intended to spend most of the afternoon in her room but she knew he disliked sitting there the closeness the odors of medicine made his head ache her appearance in the drawing-room would be a delightful surprise she would not tell him that she was getting up but go downstairs and take him unawares she got out of bed but as she put her feet to the ground had to cling to a chair her legs were so weak that they hardly supported her and her head reeled but in a little while she gathered strength and slowly dressed herself slowly and very difficultly her weakness was almost pain she had to sit down and her hair was so wearisome to do that she was afraid she must give up the attempt and return to bed but the thought of edward's surprise upheld her he had said how pleased he would be to have her downstairs with him at last she was ready and went to the door supporting herself on every object at hand but what joy it was to be up again to feel herself once more among the living away from the grave of her bed she came to the top of the stairs and went down leaning heavily on the banisters she went one step at a time as little children do and laughed at herself but the laugh changed almost into a groan as in exhaustion she sank down and felt it impossible to go farther then the thought of edward urged her on she struggled to her feet and persevered till she reached the bottom now she was outside the drawing-room she heard edward whistling within she crept along eager to make no sound noiselessly she turned the handle and flung the door open he turned round with a cry Hello uh, what are you doing here he came towards her but showed not the great joy which she had expected i wanted to surprise you aren't you glad to see me yes of course i am but you oughtn't to have come without dr ramsay's leave and i didn't expect you to-day he led her to the sofa and she lay down i thought you'd be so pleased of course i am he placed pillows under her and covered her with a rug little attentions which were exquisitely touching you don't know how i struggled she said i thought i should never get my things on and then i almost tumbled down the stairs i was so weak but i knew you must be lonely here and you hate sitting in the bedroom you oughtn't to have risked it it may throw you back he replied gently he looked at his watch you must only stay half an hour and then i shall carry you up to bed bertha gave a laugh intending to permit nothing of the sort it was so comfortable to lie on the sofa with edward by her side she held his hands i simply couldn't stay in the room any longer it was so gloomy with the rain pattering all day on the windows It was one of those days of late summer when the rain seems never ceasing and the air is filled with the melancholy of nature, already conscious of the near decay. I was meaning to come up to you as soon as I'd finished my pipe. Bertha was exhausted, and keeping silence, pressed Edward's hand in acknowledgement of his kind intention. Presently he looked at his watch again. Your half hours nearly up in five minutes i'm going to carry you to your room oh no you're not she replied playfully taking his remark as humorous i'm going to stay till dinner no you can't possibly it will be very bad for you to please me go back to bed now well we'll split the difference and i'll go after tea no you must go now why one would think you wanted to get rid of me i have to go out said edward Oh, no you haven't you're merely saying that to induce me to go upstairs you fibber let me carry you up now there's a good girl i won't i won't i won't i shall have to leave you alone bertha i didn't know you meant to get up to-day and i have an engagement oh but you can't leave me the first time i get up what is it you can write a note and break it i'm awfully sorry he replied but i'm afraid i can't do that the fact is i saw the miss hancocks after church and they said they had to walk into turkenberry this afternoon and as it was so wet i offered to drive them in i've promised to fetch them at three you're joking said bertha her eyes had suddenly become hard and she was breathing fast edward looked at her uneasily i didn't know you were going to get up or i shouldn't have arranged to go out well it doesn't matter said bertha throwing off the momentary anger you can just write and say you can't come i'm afraid i can't do that he answered gravely i've given my word and i can't break it oh but it's infamous her wrath blazed out again even you can't be so cruel as to leave me at such a time i deserve some consideration after all i've suffered for weeks i lay at death's door and at last when i'm a, a little better and come down thinking to give you pleasure you're engaged to drive the misses hancock into turkenbury come bertha be reasonable edward condescended to expostulate with his wife though it was not his habit to humour her extravagances you see it's not my fault isn't it enough for you that i'm very sorry i shall be back in an hour stay here and then we'll spend the evening together why did you lie to me i haven't lied i'm not given to that said edward with natural satisfaction you pretended it was for my health's sake that i must go upstairs isn't that a lie it was for your health's sake you lie again you wanted to get me out of the way so that you might go to the Miss Hancocks without telling me. You ought to know me better than that by now. Why did you say nothing about them till you found it impossible to avoid? Edward shrugged his shoulders good-humoredly. Because I know how touchy you are. And yet you made them the offer. It came out almost unawares. They were grumbling about the weather, and without thinking I said, I'll drive you over if you like and they jumped at it you're so good-natured if any one but your wife is concerned well dear i can't stay arguing i shall be late already you're not really going it had been impossible for bertha to realize that edward would carry out his intention i must my dear it's my duty you have more duty to me than to any one else oh eddie don't go you can't realize all it means to me i must i'm not going because i want to i shall be back in an hour he bent down to kiss her and she flung her arms round his neck bursting into tears oh please don't go if you love me at all if you've ever loved me don't you see that you're destroying my love for you now don't be silly there's a good girl he loosened her arms and walked away but rising from the sofa she followed him and took his arm beseeching him to stay you see how unhappy i am and you are all i have in the world now for god's sake stay eddie it means more to me than you know she sank to the floor she was kneeling before him come get on to the sofa all this is very bad for you he carried her to the couch and then to finish the scene hurriedly left the room bertha sprang up to follow him but sank back as the door slammed and burying her face in her hands surrendered herself to a passion of tears but humiliation and rage almost drove away her grief she had knelt before her husband for a favour and he had not granted it suddenly she abhorred him the love which had been a tower of brass fell like a house of cards she would not try now to conceal from herself the faults that stared her in the face he cared only for himself with him it was only self 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 bertha found a bitter fascination in stripping her idol of the finery with which her madness had bedizened him she saw him more accurately now and he was utterly selfish but most unbearable of all was her own extreme humiliation the rain poured down unceasing and the despair of nature ate into her soul at last she was exhausted and losing thought of time lay half unconscious feeling at least no pain her brain vacant and weary when a servant came to ask if miss glover might see her she hardly understood miss glover doesn't usually stand on such ceremony she said ill-temperedly forgetting the incident of the previous week ask her to come in the parson's sister came to the door and hesitated growing red the expression in her eyes was pained and even frightened may i come in bertha yes she walked straight to the sofa and fell on her knees oh bertha please forgive me i was wrong and i've behaved wickedly to you my dear fanny murmured bertha a smile breaking through her misery i withdraw every word i said to you bertha I can't understand how I said it. I humbly beg your forgiveness. There's nothing to forgive. Oh, yes, there is. Good heavens, I know. My conscience has been reproaching me ever since I was here, but I hardened my heart and I would not listen. Poor Miss Glover could not really have hardened her heart, however much she tried. I knew I ought to come to you and beg your forgiveness, but I wouldn't. I've not slept a wink at night i was afraid of dying and if i'd been cut off in the midst of my wickedness i should have been lost she spoke very quickly finding it evidently a relief to express her trouble i thought charles would upbraid me but he's never said a word oh i wish he had it would have been easier to bear than his sorrowful look i know he's been worrying dreadfully and i'm so sorry for him i kept on saying i'd only done my duty but in my heart i knew i had done wrong oh bertha and this morning i dared not take communion i thought god would strike me for blasphemy and i was afraid charles would refuse me in front of the whole congregation it's the first sunday since i was confirmed that i've missed taking holy communion she buried her face in her hands crying bertha heard her almost listlessly for her own trouble was overwhelming and she could not think of any other miss glover raised her face tears stained and red it was positively hideous but notwithstanding very pathetic then i couldn't bear it any longer she said i thought if i begged your pardon i might be able to forgive myself oh bertha please forget what i said and forgive me and i fancied that edward would be here to-day and the thought of exposing myself before him was almost more than i could bear but i knew the humiliation would be good for me oh i was so thankful when jane said he was out what can i do to earn your forgiveness in her heart of hearts miss glover desired some horrible penance which would thoroughly mortify her flesh i have already forgotten all about it said bertha smiling wearily if my forgiveness is worth anything i forgive you entirely miss glover was a little pained at bertha's manifest indifference yet took it as a just punishment and bertha let me say that i love you and admire you more than any one after charles if you really think what you said the other day i still love you and hope god will turn your heart charles and i will pray for you night and day and soon i hope the almighty will send you another child to take the place of the one you lost believe me god is very good and merciful he will grant you what you wish bertha gave a low cry of pain i can never have another child dr ramsay told me it was impossible oh bertha i didn't know miss glover took bertha protectingly in her arms crying and kissed her like a little child but bertha dried her eyes leave me now fanny please i'd rather be alone but come and see me soon and forgive me if i'm horrid i'm very unhappy and i shall never be happy again a few minutes later edward returned cheery jovial red-faced and in the best of humours here we are again he shouted like a clown in a harlequinade you see i've not been gone long and you haven't missed me a wrap now, we'll have tea. He kissed her and put her cushions right. By Jove, it does me good to see you down again. You must pour out the tea for me now. Confess, weren't you unreasonable to make such a fuss about my going away, and I couldn't help it. Could I? End of chapter Nineteen.